You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Today's cool fact of the day is that the bacteria in your mother's colon at the time of your birth affects the smell of your gas for the rest of your life. A baby, including you, was born with a sterile intestinal tract, and during delivery, there's a ton of fluid and other things that carry bacteria from the mother to the baby. And scientists believe that this is the time when the baby's colon is populated by the mother's colon bacteria. As a result, yes, it's true, you actually do have gas like your mother. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD plus. Check out Qualia NAD plus risk-free for up to a hundred days at neurohacker.com slash Dave 15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave 15 Qualia NAD plus. It's what I use. Welcome back to Bulletproof Executive Radio. I'm Dave Asprey, your host. And first, before we get started on the interview today, a word of thanks. Thank you for making us the number one ranked podcast out there. If you haven't already done it, please go to iTunes and click like. I just woke up and last night I went to sleep on the new Bulletproof Sleep Induction Mat and I'm feeling 
strangely just fully energized this morning, just had my Bulletproof coffee, so I'm feeling awesome. If you haven't had a chance to check out the sleep induction mat, it does interesting things to your body. You just lay down on it for a few minutes, and it increases your endorphin levels through acupressure points, and it feels awesome. So check that out. In the meantime, sitting here in the studio across the internet from me is BJ Baker, who is a certified athletic trainer and sports rehab specialist who spent 30 years working with pro athletes from just about every kind of sport you can think of. He's with Pure Performance Training and here to share some thoughts about recovery with us today. BJ, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. It's great, great to be here with you. So how did you get to spend 30 years working with pro athletes? Like, What kind of education do you get or, or how does this all work? Like, That's kind of a, a big number. I get that question a lot, especially from students and um, interns that I, I'm fortunate enough to mentor. But I, I've been really blessed. You know, I, I simple existence in upstate New York in the Finger Lakes. Grew up in a small town, um, like a lot of uh, young athletes. You know, play football, play basketball in the winter, play baseball in the spring. Um, think you're a little better than you are. Want to play at the college level? Uh, really. You know, and a lot of people forget back then that there was no internet, right? So it was kind of the wild west of information for strength conditioning information or power, you know, power production or plyometrics. That stuff was in its infancy and you couldn't just go to the internet to, to look for it. We had to rely on muscle and fitness and USA powerlifting magazines, and <laughs> right? So living in a small town, you know, the, the captains of the football team got all their stuff together in a, in a trailer and we trained together. And I was kind of the cerebral one who would always kind of try to ferret out what was the best progression, how would we not beat ourselves up. Even back then, I was trying to uh, trying to figure out how we could push the envelope um, physiologically, and but yeah, be freshest on game day. And that kind of led me to you know, of course, when you're an athlete, you get hurt a couple times. Uh, you go to see the local uh, uh, physical therapist and. We're fortunate enough to be where I grew up, about 20 miles from Ithaca College and Cornell University. So we would go over there and use their sports medicine staff. And I got to know their athletic trainers and I got to know their uh, orthopedic surgeons. And I was really fascinated by this whole sports medicine um, concept of being an athletic trainer where you're kind of the, the team's first responder where you're the guy. And we see them on our you know, NFL game where someone goes down. The guy that goes out there with the team position is an athletic trainer and, and you're nationally certified. You have to go and do an undergraduate program and take a national test and you're qualified to go out there and assess uh, injuries to stabilize neck and spine injuries. Um, they serve a real important purpose now in high schools because of all the, the heat um, prostration and heat stroke issues that we're having. And of course, with all the concussion issues now too, they're your frontline um, baseline um, information and, and they're, they're the basically the ones that take care of our kids in school. So I was really interested in kind of pursuing this, you know, athletic training curriculum. Um, well, you, so I ended up, you, go you, ahead. you ended up getting to the kind of the top of your game. I mean, you were with the Boston Red Sox, New England Blazers, Cornell, Harvard, like you, you've kind of done top level collegiate and top level pro stuff. What made what you were doing different than what everyone else was doing like like how, how did you how did you end up spending so much time at the very highest levels of your profession because it's it's kind of cool i mean these guys are the guys who are you know the formula 1 racers of human beings and you're right. out there fixing them up like, like what 
what what made your approach different than what everyone else does when you go to a physical therapist or something? A, a really well-balanced education with awesome opportunities. So I went to a small university in upstate New York called Cortland State. They're known, had one of the first athletic training programs in the country, was one of the first undergraduates uh, programs in the country to offer things like anatomical basis of movement, kinesiology, biomechanics. So really got turned on to the science there. Um, had great relationships with my doctors. Um, was very fortunate to uh, get an opportunity to get a graduate assistantship at Cornell. And that graduate assistantship was the best of both worlds because I got to work in a Division One athletic setting, um, do rounds with great orthopedic surgeons, but I also did my master's work at Ithaca College, which probably a lot of people don't know, but is an excellent research-based university that at that time put out more research, exercise physiology research, than any other school its size in the country. So I really got to appreciate um, how to do research, how to read uh, literature, how to read the research and understand it. So it all paid off, did well in both settings, interviewed at Harvard, and got to go to Cambridge, Massachusetts, you know, small, small town guy from upstate New York. And it was just an awesome experience. Seven years there, I'm plugged into the Boston scene. The athletic trainer I worked for um, at the time, Bill Coughlin, here I am a, a newbie right out of grad school, put me on the uh, Gatorade research board as a representative from the university, got to ask a lot of questions, got exposed to the science a little bit more. And the thing that really kind of rocketed my career uh, towards strength and conditioning a little bit more and away from the athletic training was when I got to Harvard, here's the largest uh, athletic department in the country. They had, at that time, I think they had 45 intercollegiate sports there, no designated strength and conditioning facility. Wow. So as a sports medicine person, I'm like, if you want to keep these guys off the, on the field, you need to, you know, develop strength. You need to encourage proper mobility. We got to get them working out. Um, so I'll, at that time, I took the responsibility. We built the first intercollegiate uh, strength conditioning facility there. We converted an old building, 6,000 square foot, state of the art. I hired the first strength coach. So it was kind of my baby. And I also developed a good friendship with uh, Mike Boyle, who's become kind of a legend in strength conditioning and functional training. Um, his website, I always refer my students to his website. He does a great job there, uh, strengthcoach.com. And it's just what we're all about, um, okay. developing strength and power with a good foundation of movement. Okay. So I get, this ex I get this expertise, I get this experience, and I was fortunate enough to have the Red Sox come calling. So now, of course, I'm at a crossroads. My wife is eight months pregnant with our first child. Oh, wow. I'm totally happy at Harvard. You know, I'm very content. I've got a great setting. I'm stimulated intellectually. I'm in the strength conditioning world. Um, and they offer me the job. So obviously I had to have the blessing of my wife because I was away pretty much half the time. But we agreed that it was an opportunity that I couldn't turn down. I had no idea what a challenge it would be. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about the challenges of professional sports. Um, but it gave me an opportunity to kind of step out of my comfort zone. I'd been an athletic trainer working with a team for my whole career, even though my master's degree was in exercise physiology and strength training. Even though I, the, the strength and conditioning uh, facility was my baby at Harvard, I was not really comfortable. I almost didn't take the job because they wanted me to be the first strength conditioning coordinator for the Red Sox. And it was a big deal. 
Um, Dan Duquette took the job there. He had a, um, a history of working closely with strength and conditioning. We had lost one of our star players, Ellis Burks, to a bizarre squatting accident across the street at Gold's Gym. So <laughs> Bizarre squatting accidents. That bizarre squatting accidents, yeah. So, you know, in, in his wisdom, he wanted to keep everything in-house. And, and he wanted to hire somebody who was qualified and that I was going to be that guy. And I almost didn't take the job, and then I got some very wise advice from Ed LeCert, who's still actually the trainer at the, the Boston Celtics today. And Ed said, listen, you're going to be in the big leagues. You've got good inter interpersonal skills. You're going to make a difference there. People are going to love having you. You know, Don't hesitate for a moment. Go for it. Um, and I did, and uh, it was a great eight years of working with, as you referred to earlier, some of the, the best athletes at what they do. So what, what made you uh, turn it all in? Your current approach is you'll work with anyone off the street pretty much, right? So you're taking these like Formula One things. It's kind of like having race car mechanics work on, you know, your Toyota Camry. Uh, <laughs> what, what do people get if they come and they work with someone with just your depth and level of experience? I mean, do you get bored? You're like, oh, look, okay, you need to lose like 30 pounds and maybe you should like walk at lunch or something. <laughs> like, like what level of, of human being comes to you? Because, I mean, you've been spoiled. You, you only work with like guys who are motivated and make lots of money, hopefully, uh, as pro athletes. Like, like what's the difference? Well, the difference is that you have to really be patient, and it's a whole different kind of um, animal. It's like you said, you've got super motivated, well, and not in all cases, but for the most part, super motivated athletes at the Major League Baseball level. But I think that what really resonates with me is when I made the transition from baseball back into the clinical setting, where I basically work at a health facility, I do manual therapy part of the day, I coach and train athletes the other part of the day. So now I get to work with younger kids. Oh. Um, and just understanding how we are at a movement crisis in this country. Um, and you talk a lot about posture and ergonomics and how to sit in the office and all the problems that we, we incur when we sit for too long a period of time. As, as Chris Cressers pointed out and you've pointed out many times, we know from the research that sitting six or eight hours a day can undo a nice one or two hour workout. Um, it's a bad deal. So the kids, You'd be shocked. We evaluate kids as young as eight, nine, ten years old. They can literally not squat. They okay. cannot get down into a squat position. Does that have something to do with those ridiculous, like hard plastic chairs where they're welded to the desk and you have to like sit in these little, like it's like cubicle training or something for for kids well, since they have in schools? It's not good for them, that's for sure. But basically, the the hip flexors shorten up and you get all kinds of movement restrictions and and that's really why we go about things the way we do here. Everything is, is um, what we'd like to say at least evidence-led, but evidence-based. Right. Um, sometimes it's a little frustrating waiting for the research to come out. <laughs> so it's evidence-led. But when we pull in our athletes, whether it's a 40-year-old CEO of a company or a 10-year-old that wants to play Little League Baseball or a 16-year-old who wants to get ready for college or whatever it happens to be, we have an evidence-based progression that we, and we evaluate people with. And the first thing that they do come through the, coming through the door is a functional movement screen, which is basically a test that's been set up by a, a famous physical therapist in functional training. His name's Gray Cook. He has his own website. Yeah. And he does a great job of helping you quantify 
you know, what is missing in those seven primary movements. For people listening, and there's a lot of people driving right now, um, usually about 50,000 people the first week will, will hear what we're saying. Uh, I have flown around the world literally and recommended functional movement screens to some of the top investment bankers and hedge fund traders around the world. I, uh, over the last year and a half, uh, I've flown around talking about how do you upgrade yourself to people who are in a position to upgrade themselves. And uh, these guys, none of them have heard of functional movement training, but the few of them who look at that and go, this is great, and they find a guy in London or they find a guy in you know, anywhere on, on the planet that can do that kind of work, they're all super, super satisfied. And these are guys who are in desks all the time. And they might ride their bike home from work or something, but for the most part, they're sedentary. And the, the stuff you're talking about, their functional movement, Gray's work, it transforms office people maybe more so than pro athletes. Yes, I mean, the impact is dramatic. Um, like I said, people are shocked when you take them through that, that they're unable to do fairly simple movements that don't require a lot, a lot of strength. They're missing stability and they're missing um, mobility in their joints. And they've lo literally lost this from sitting for long periods of time. And once they regain that, now I think, it's, I think the stats say something like you're 85% more likely to be injured while training or playing a sport if you're asymmetrical or you're, you have a major movement pattern out. So this helps solve that problem. And, and think about it. We want people to come to us and train to get strong, fit, healthy. Nutrition's a big part of what we do here as well. Um, that's actually the foundation for everything. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure, in a little bit. But we have, we have done very well because of the CrossFit phase um, sensation now. Because as we've discussed before and you've discussed with other guests here, um, some of the boxes are very aggressive. They do way too much volume. They get hurt. They come see us. We rehab them. Then they also see what we're doing in here as far as our conditioning and our strength programs. And they say, hmm, this, that looks really similar to what CrossFit does. And I said, yes, it is very similar. We train first responders here. We prepare guys for the military. We have college athletes and pro athletes. And they said, hmm, so what's the difference between you and CrossFit? And I said, well, I like to think that we put a little more emphasis on our progression and our on-ramp, bringing the person who really is dysfunctional, really has some movement issues, which I would argue is all, probably any office worker in the country or truck driver or person that has a significant commute. And we bring them in, we evaluate them, lights go on when they say, I literally cannot squat. And I said, yeah, you know, in third world countries, people hang out around the fire in an ass to grass squat position for hours without moving and you can't basically go to a parallel squat without falling over. Um, so they know immediately there's a concern there. Um, and then if they think that they can also achieve, become very, very fit efficiently, not working, you know, two hour workouts, literally working three to four hours a week um, with the right focus on the right movements and the right exercises, they're ecstatic. And, um, you know, once we get people in the door, very few people leave. I, I believe it. In fact, I gave a talk at the at a large CrossFit event in Miami about a week ago. Uh, so I was talking about nutrition and recovery for CrossFit. But it's interesting. I think CrossFit is here to stay. You know, it, it's a growing movement. There's lots of people who are into it. I have some concerns just that people don't get to recover enough uh, right. when they're doing it because I know that if I did a CrossFit level of intensity every single day, <laughs> Uh, especially with the amount of, of time that I sleep and my work schedule, 
I would probably break. So th- there's there were girls there who could clearly like wipe the floor with me. I'm like, you know, hats off to you. I wonder if there are things you can do as a functional movement coach to help people do a better job in CrossFit, not just form, but you know, teaching them the on-ramp, but then letting them take that into the box and doing the things they do. Do you see that a lot with your, with your um, client base? Yes. So for people that are curious about how do you, how do you get the most out of athletes? How do you get someone who's basically sedentary most of the day, super fit, super strong, be able to train at high levels, go and do crazy things, go skiing, you know, play hard on weekends. How do you get them there um, efficiently? And so what we do is we set them up on a program. We uh, basically make sure that all their movement patterns are at least a two out of three, you know, and if not, we're working on them. And then you introduce therapeutic exercise, okay? Fancy word, but basically just means exercises that are put in proximity of another exercise in your workout so it complements it it opens up a joint before you use it or it you know it lengthens tissue after you've contracted it but what it does is it takes it allows you to use your rest interval and doing something active which is one better for recovery anyway and two very therapeutic as the name kind of lends itself to suggest so super density super training density you get a lot done in a short amount of time and guess what you don't have delayed onset muscle soreness is significant. Your movement patterns get better continually. Um, and then we would just continue to challenge you based on how fast you progress. One of the one things I hear from the executives that I coach is that they don't have time to go somewhere. They go out and they say, hey, I'm going to be in this country at this time. I have exactly one hour. If I drive to a gym, I drive to a specialist. So they want to do stuff over Skype or they want a program they can do at home. With the style of functional movement you do, I mean, can you do an assessment remotely? Can you do an assessment in person and then give them exercises and say, come back in two months? Or is this the sort of thing they really need to drive there and physically be there with you? We've talked about having a Skype model, and I don't think, I don't think it's impossible. Um, there's a challenge because there are certain implements that you use, a two-by-six, and there's a hurdle step where you've got a little apparatus that if you buy the kit, it's easier to execute, but people make them at home. Um, so it's not impossible, but I would say um, it's, it would be easy enough to do a variation of that and then to do uh, coaching over Skype. Uh, of course, we, we have clients here that drive from Western Mass, from New Hampshire, from Rhode Island, um, fly in from Philadelphia, New York. They'll come in. They'll book two or three sessions or do a couple days, get their homework, um, come back in a month or two. That seems so much more preferable. I, I've done some Skype remote work where you know I'm the client. And I like it's kind of funny, uh, especially for me, but my hip flexors, especially my right one, uh, weren't working so well. And because of the work I'm doing writing for the Bulletproof Executive, like I, I'm often, at least I was sitting down you know, 14 hours a day, more than I used to. And I'd, I'd taken that out of some of the just movement things that I used to do, uh, just being busy. So I moved to a standing desk. It's kind of cool. I've got you know a motorized one, so I can you know raise it up and down to various heights. So I, I'm moving around, and, and it's it's transformed a lot of what I do. But in order to figure out that those things were shut down, I actually did it over Skype uh, with uh, my buddy Kai at EgoSkew down in in LA. Uh, which is you know, not quite a functional movement system, but very related to the sort of things you do. But when I saw 
saw them in person, there were some more things that came out. So I'd say if you're listening to this and you want to do this kind of movement upgrade, which is one of the top six biohacks I recommend, you should go see someone like BJ. Like fly there, drive there, find a guy in your community, whatever it is, and look eye to eye. Let him look at the micro way you move. And, and BJ, if someone like me walked in the door, I'm guessing within like five seconds, you'd spot all sorts of weird stuff, right? Just in the way I walk. Right. So you have like you have matrix vision, like like everyone else just sees some guy walking in, and you like see every little angle moving in my joints, and you can tell that the right side is weaker than the left. Am I right? I'm just guessing. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a it's a career hazard. Um, my wife is always. I'll we'll be driving down the street, and somebody will be running, and I'll be like, oh man, that that belt. <laughs> The valgus force on her knee is killing me. I can't believe that leg whip she has. Oh, she needs to see a, you know, and she'll just roll her eyes and, and you know, save it kind of thing. But you make a good point. Um, I would encourage people, regardless of who you choose, find somebody who's well-versed on functional movement screen. They have certifications, actually. I think you can even find people who are yeah. certified to do it going on the website. Move that stuff, yeah. Well, it's actually uh, functionalmovement.com. Okay, cool. Is the FMS. Um, site. And when you come and see a practitioner like myself, you know, that's just one tool that we use. That's one evaluation. So I do a pretty thorough orthopedic assessment for a range of motion, mobility, stability type stuff. And then there's other, there's, there's whole other schools that we follow and believe in. There's uh, the PRI, the Postural Restoration Institute has some great, some great stuff on hip alignment and um, breathing techniques. And then there's uh, DNS, um, which is basically based on the Prague school of thought, which is, is all about, they're very similar, you know, but it's basically anatomically, we tend to do certain things. And we know that if we, um, evaluate someone and when we see what their tendencies are, that we can prescribe therapeutic exercises to really help them. And then of course there's the soft tissue work. So we do a lot of instrument assisted off soft tissue here, Graston techniques, fascial scraping, Chinese cupping, and that stuff even a couple treatments sometimes will open people up, make them feel like they've never felt before. And now you start to, to systematically apply therapeutic exercise on top of that range that you've gained with the tissue. And you give them little um, myofascial tweaks, self-myofascial tweaks they can do on a foam roller, lacrosse ball, therapeutic stick. See, they take all that home with them and now it becomes homework and they just thrive all right bj you've uh, you've convinced me next time i'm in boston i'm going to look you up because you said chinese cupping myofacial scraping i mean how could i say no to that so uh, uh, next time i'm there time. we're, we're going to spend a couple hours uh, making me cry which is which is good uh I, i'm actually really excited because uh you're doing cross discipline work which it, it seems to me in the type of performance work that i do if you stick to only one discipline you tend to just miss out on so much. And I see this in medicine. I see this in business and, and everything else. You, know, you need to pick and choose the techniques that work without too much dogma. And it sounds like you've, you know, you're clearly you're focused on movement, uh, but you're going very cross-discipline. And also, you're way into nutrition. So let's talk about why nutrition became an imp- a part of your training system, even though your background is more on the movement side, you know, strength and conditioning involves food. When did you make the, the transition from it's about the movement to it's about the movement plus the food. Well, it was, it was interesting because my colleagues were actually ahead of me on this a little bit. Um, I have, I have consulted nutrition, sports nutrition with people since 1986. And I've always thought I was on the cutting edge of everything, you know, 
and I've had great success working with people. And one of my colleagues, Mike, came up to me and, and said, you know, you really got to look into this paleo diet. And to me, it just sounded like a tag tagline, you know, and he kind of explained it to me. And I goes, oh, yeah, yeah. And I kind of put him on the back burner. And I think, you know, I believe things happen for a reason. So I think two days later, um, Rob Wolf was on the Strength Coach uh, podcast and I listened to him and it just, I don't it that was an, an epiphany for me. Lights on. I said, that makes absolute total sense. What we should eat, what we're, what we are made to eat, have a nutrient dense, low inflammation diet, low toxin, uh, sustainable. I mean, it all made sense. I'm like, it's, there was this, this intuition that it couldn't be wrong. Right. But then of course I did due diligence and I went on the internet and I read and I read and I tried to basically disprove paleo to myself. You know, I, I, <laughs> I, I and I'll the tell Duncan you what. Donuts approach to disproving paleo didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> right. So what I ended up doing is I did it for 30 days. Yeah. I did it for 30 days. I did it strict. And when I tell you that my body hadn't changed in probably close to 20 years, I was carrying the same amount of muscle. I've always been lean. I've never considered myself to have a problem in those areas at all. I never really paid much attention to my lipids and my blood work because I never had any problems. Right. But I heard all the things that Rob said. And what I did is I did that for 30 days. I lost 10 pounds. My abs came back. My face leaned out. Um, my workouts got better. My sleep got better. I mean, all the things that we hear yeah. your, your guests talk about, right? Um, but until that happens to you, you, you just don't understand the power of, of just experiencing that. And I said, this stuff works. And when people say the only real, the only real way to prove it is to do 30 to 60 days and see what it does for you. And I will tell you, I've done this with scores of people here. It's changed people's lives. I've got some unbelievable stories, yeah. if you want me to share yeah. them with you, I'd that are really powerful. But I don't know that anybody that has chose to be disciplined enough to basically follow the guidelines that hasn't, it hasn't been life-changing for them. You know? And what's really frustrating is that um, it's, it's very hard when, when you're in a referral-based network like we are to find Western medicine doctors that will get on board with you on it. I actually started listing them on the uh, on the website. So bulletproof physicians. There's a surprising number of doctors now who are carrying like bulletproof coffee and brain octane oil and glutathione and things in their practice because they're like, well, patients like it and it benefits. Like they're getting the outcomes I want, uh, and they're recommending this kind of a diet. You know, whether it's paleo or bulletproof. Um, you know, there, there are some differences between them. But one of the things that stands out in both of those approaches is that when you have the idea that you have to change one variable at a time, a lot of times nothing happens. Because if you have 15 things that are smacking over the head, well, now I have 14, nothing happens. So right. you experienced it, and you're going to share some stories from some of your clients. I'm just thinking from a movement perspective, is it the same deal? Like you can't just change one thing, you need to change the things that are lined up, all of the things at once, or at least most of them? Well, literally, there's an algorithm. So the it. FMS <laughs> system, right, it's set up so that, you know, there are, there are priorities. Um, thoracic spine is really important. Um, you know, uh, pelvic position, hamstring length, uh, core strength. But the, it's set, the, the screen is set up in such a way that you know if you don't do well on the leg raise, 
that you have to work and address that first. Or if your thoracic spine is, is asymmetrical, then we're gonna take a look at that first, and then we're gonna look at your leg raise. And you're gonna take the worst movement. So if you have a one or a two in that scale of three, you're gonna take the lowest one, you're gonna knock that down, and it's interesting the way the, the body's wired. Like I'm a big believer in primal patterns. So if people have movement patterns that are out, we, f we know if you go and start to bear crawl, if you start to do simple rolling progressions, if you start to do something as, as uh, grounded, as close chain as like a kettlebell swing, and then you go back and you retest, a lot of those movements are restored. So a lot of times just moving properly in a primal pattern, and I think that's why MoveNet is having so much success because not only are you outdoors and having fun, but it's actually healing people and getting people stronger and, and addressing a whole bunch of different things all at once. Well, hold on. You, you can't use the H word. If you say heal, that means it's some sort of medical thing and you have to have like 50,000 licenses and a whole bunch of insurance and it's HIPAA compliant. So now moving out doesn't heal anyone. It just makes them feel really good. Come on, man. We don't want regulation here. It makes them feel better. I'm yeah, just kidding. It makes them feel <laughs> By the way, I'm, I'm, I love doctors. I'm happy we have medical regulation. I also like yeah. it when people can say, my stuff heals you even if I'm not a doctor, but hey, maybe sorry. Right. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, so let's go back to the the story side of things. So you you have like a couple examples from people who totally totally rocked it when they combined the food approach with the movement approach that you work with. So like how yeah. fast does it work? What happens to people? Well, I think probably the the best example that I have of the potential, and this has happened a couple times with us uh, with different clients. So let's let's take our um, uh, client. And we'll call him. We'll call him Bill. So Bill comes to us, and he's basically referred by his physician because he's on statins, he's on blood pressure medication, he's 40 pounds overweight, and he has atrocious posture. Um, you know, he lost two inches in his height since college because he's so kyphotic. So we bring him in, we do our thing, and guess what? After about a year of actually less than a year, I think it was only like eight, eight months, after just doing work on his movement, addressing his posture, his ergonomics, getting up from a desk, doing things periodically throughout the day, addressing his this tissue length, um, and all very simple stuff, not time intensive in any way, shape, or form, modified his diet. Um, of course, I don't even think that we did an aggressive 30-day with him. We just cleaned his diet up a little bit and took a lot of the inflammatory uh, foods out of there. What, gluten and margarine, I'm guessing, were the first two? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yep. Oils. Yep. Yeah. So within that eight months, off statins, off blood pressure medication, lost 40 pounds, gained an inch and a half back in his height. And people say, wow. well, how does that happen? I said, well, you, you become aware of your posture. You improve your core strength, right? Now you, and you reestablish tissue length and you incorporate strength you know, it's going to, you're going to actually literally regain some of that compression and that kyphotic head forward position that you developed because of bad habits for the last 20 years. So we don't guarantee results like that, but I would argue that they are typical if people really adopt the program and take their eating and their, and their nutrition seriously. So that works for, for, we'll call them non-athletes, you know, people who are, are high performers but not necessarily on track and field or uh, on the court. What about 
the the pro athletes when they do this kind of stuff? I, I mean, I, I know the LA Lakers just kind of came out of the closet, like, oh look, we're eating right. organ meats, drinking bulletproof coffee, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, in fact, I'm going to have uh, Kate Shanahan on the show pretty soon, the physician they were working with. Yeah. So in in your experience, that's one level of, of increasing performance for these guys. But a lot of them have been accused of, of doping and other things like that. Like, like how how prevalent do you think it is? And I know that none of if, if you if you were working with someone who's doping, you wouldn't know they were. That's not your game at all. But how prevalent do you think this is in pro sports? Well, I've been away now. You know, for almost 10 years. So it's hard for me to have perspective currently. And I, I think I always tend to be a little naive. Like I, I give the athletes credit, <laughs> right, from the hard work. And, I do too. <laughs> you know, I, I'm a little naive. Um, some of my um, colleagues in the industry laugh at me because they think I'm naive. But the did you see the 60 Minutes interview with uh, the guy who was supplying Alex Rodriguez? Uh, yeah, I, I did. I, I think he was on the Joe Rogan show the day after I was on. Uh, God, it, it's running the edge of my, ma- my brain. I, I, yeah, I, I can't think of it. Especially with a V, think. right? Yeah. And he, I mean, the things that he's saying about these uh, gummies, these testosterone gummies that they take and the timing and knowing how fast it clears from the system and they've got it down to a science and he was tested X number of times and, you know, didn't come up positive. And I was like, wow. Okay, I guess I guess the science is staying ahead of the testing, which I think most people believe, right? That the science stays ahead of the the masking science stays ahead of the testing science. It's funny. I, in in pro sports, I suspect that'll always be the case, and I I kind of wish that they would just say, "All right, here's the limits of what you're allowed to do," but you have to tell everyone what you're doing because in Formula One racing, things like seat belts and all the other safety innovations that are in your car today end up happening at the very highest elite levels of performance. But because you know, it, it's something that can trickle down, I feel like there's probably all sorts of stuff, uh, you know, like the clear or whatever else it is, that probably would benefit 50-year-old people greatly that remains hidden. And that's one of the reasons, like, I, I'm very open. Yes, I use testosterone. I've used it since I was 30. I was obese, and my natural testosterone levels are either low or below low normal most of the time, in fact, always, uh, they have been. And even though I can raise them somewhat with nutrition, I don't raise them enough. So I take you know, bioidentical hormones and I'm like super open about it. But I know there's a lot of people who still say, you know, I'm, I'm doping. Like, like you know, I'm, I'm a bad person. I'm seeing more, more guys who are just like, look, I'm getting older. I'd like to perform like I'm younger. I'm just going to do it. I'm not, a, you know, I'm not a listed athlete anywhere. But they still don't want to talk about it. There's something like, you know, my testosterone turned to estrogen. I might be a girl. Do you see... Guys on, you know, do you see guys who come in or women uh, who are on hormones who are making that a part of their kind of holistic approach to increasing their muscle mass, to functional movement, to having their brain turn on all the way? Or is this mostly just food and exercise or maybe you just don't know? Well, I don't know if it's happening okay. because I address it from a food and exercise standpoint. Uh, I'm totally with you, I think, because we have vilified androgens and performance enhancing drugs. Uh, and it's just because I, you know, I think we, we're very territorial. That's our sports. How dare you corrupt our sports? Yeah. <laughs> Shame on you! And we're and we're never going to forgive you for doing that. It causes a lot of problems, and I'm not going to deny that. Uh, and especially when uh, a lot of the pro athletes that I used to talk to used to always say, you, you know, their concern isn't as much for themselves as that for their kids. They don't want yeah. their kids to have to make the same decisions 
or have those options on the table. It'd be nice if everybody just played clean and you didn't have to think about things like that. But medically and just thriving, I'm concerned that we don't look at the possibilities because we've vilified those those uh, androgens and the testosterone. I, why, why shouldn't we be able to take a look at someone's testosterone level, monitor the liver enzymes, put them on so that they're productive, you know, they're stronger, they have more energy, right up until they're 80s, 90 years old. You know, it's, that's ultimately, we'd all like to just yeah. we'd all like to just live a great life and be fit and then just drop dead one day, right? No, <laughs> just <laughs> I'll tell you, when I'm 90, I will have the testosterone levels of a 30 year old. There's no question about it because I smear the arm fist cream on my arms every day, and that's part of my anti aging strategy. Uh, but I, I know that that's not as common. It's becoming more common, and I just I, I know. In fact, it's sad that as athletes age, that they're not allowed to, even pro athletes, that they're not allowed to keep their levels where they should be. Because I think we would see some pro athletes, you know, in their mid 40s who are still hitting it hard because they were able to hormonally manage their health, not to levels above normal. But like, why is it fair that a 20, a 20 year old on the court who you're competing with when you're 30, why is it fair that they get to have more testosterone than you just because they're younger? Like, that just seems like a ripoff. But anyway, um, like you're saying, people don't always uh, don't, don't always tell you about what they're doing there. But it, it's an interesting thing because I, I think some of your clients who would who are seeing anti aging physicians at the same time they do work with you would see even more benefits from the type of things you do with nutrition and with these other things. Uh, so I, I'm, yeah, and I don't want I don't want people to misunderstand what I'm saying yeah. either. I I think we just limit um, some of the possibilities we have to just live a more productive, healthy yeah. life. Um, I'm not su- I'm not suggesting that we should take them just for to, to play better in sports, perform better in sports. I'm yeah. worried about the big picture. Like it, just it's about getting healthy humans. It's about breaking down, not even just getting old. I'm not worried about getting old. I'm going to get old. I just don't want to get broken as I get old. <laughs> like anything that's going to help stop that, including functional movement, <laughs> including you know eating lots of good quality fats, all of it, everything humanly possible I'm going to do. All right, let's talk humanly possible. What about complicated machinery, electrical stimulation, lasers, ozone, all the kind of highly radical stuff. Did you ever play with that stuff? Do you see people doing it? Does it work? Like what, what's your take on it? Uh, we've used lasers a little bit in, in uh, the physical therapy setting, cold lasers, um, yeah. and they do help healing. Uh, I have not had the opportunity to be on a lot of the cutting edge stuff like that. I was in the sports medicine realm, you know, basically from the mid-80s to – 2000. And really, there's a lot's happened in the last 10 years as far as people um, using hyperbaric chambers and for healing and and, um, using the bod pods for body composition. And that stuff's all cool. Uh, One of my good friends, Ray Varelli, has been the uh, trainer for the St. Louis Blues for, I think, over 20 years now. And and, uh, they get to play with some really cool stuff. You know, it's all about getting the guys back quickly and healing and and so that's one of the reasons that i fell in love with your podcast because you're really you're, you're very good about getting these guys that are on the cutting edge of all kinds of, of uh, technologies <laughs> yeah all kinds of technologies so some of it looks is a little strange but almost always by the end of a podcast you've got me convinced enough or that that guest has me convinced enough that i'm going to research it uh, further. Well, hey, BJ, thanks. I, I really, I, I'm honored that you, that you listen to the podcast. That says a lot because you, you know, you're at the top of your game. All right. Couple more questions for you. Whole body vibration. You ever play around with that? I have. In fact, I've used your unit. Oh, you have. Do you have one? One of my clients, uh, who has his own, uh, 
fitness center in his building that he provides for his employees basically just buys everything that we suggest. He's, oh, like, he's cool. into it. He's totally into it. What, what, does and, he want to be uh, interviewed? Because I'm looking for CEOs who do that. I, I do the same thing for my employees. They, they get all sorts of weird bulletproof things. Will I'm you sure introduce he, us? Yeah. Okay. I want to talk to him. I'd be happy to do that. He's a great guy and he's really passionate about fitness and nutrition. And he, he bought one of your vibe units and, uh, I was like, geez, we really need to get something like that here. And he says, well, I'll bring it, I'll bring it and leave it with you for the weekend. <laughs> so we had it here, and I took a lot of my clients and my athletes on it. And, you know, we did all kinds of stuff, single leg squats and push-ups. And what I find interesting is one of his comments is he has a little a nagging uh, shoulder injury that we uh, try to stay on top of. And he's, you know, I, I did some uh, foot elevated push-ups, yeah. um, the vibe play, he goes, my shoulder felt amazing after that. And I said, you know what, that, that, that perturbation, that vibration probably actually encourages your, your rotator cuff to turn on, keep the head of that, that humerus centered in the glenoid and probably cuts down on impingement and any kind of, you know, dysfunction in there while you're doing your push-up. He goes, I don't know why it works, but it, it felt great, you know? So wow, that, it's, that's it's pretty cool. That's so cool. Well, if you decide you want one, let me know. We'll, we'll hook you up. It's something that I do sometimes uh, for with push-ups. I, I have a ladder because uh, there's like a loft here where I do my biohacking. So I'll put my legs up on the ladder and I'm doing you know, almost an inverted push-up. And I mean, you get a huge pump from it, but there's something about the vascularization. But uh, what I believe is really happening is you're getting the, the nerves in the muscles, uh, basically the proprioceptors there to to sense what's happening and because you know, if you're doing a squat you, your brain's like 30 times a second squat so it does some neurological adaptation thing and I, I i think there's a lot we don't understand about it but i do know i feel better and i lean out real quickly when i'm on it so i i'm a fan yeah i've heard you say that i haven't had i haven't been able to use it long enough to to make any kind of conclusions but i enjoyed using it all right it definitely cool. makes your workouts intense Awesome. And by the way, I, I didn't know you've ever had one, uh, and I'm not trying to sell my stuff here. Like, we didn't set any of this up ahead of time for people listening. I'm just curious. <laughs> so, all right. We're coming up on the end of the interview, uh, but I want to ask you about supplementation on top of food before we, we wind down. Uh, whey protein, uh, collagen, uh, eggs. I, I don't know. Eggs aren't really supplementation. Vitamin C. Like, do you tell people to take anything like that? Well, it depends on the person. Uh, most of the time, I try to address everything with nutrition, um, and I start them there. But as we know, you know, even even a paleo diet or a bulletproof diet, as the, the Caltons brought up with micronutrients and their vitamins, you know, we have to take a look at those things. And if we're deficient, is that causing some of our problems? So, I would I would probably venture to guess that I. Am typical in what I supplement. Like in other words, people that are paleo, that, that listen to your that listen to your podcast, that listen to Chris Cresser, that listen to Rob Wolf. D K two Mag. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So magnesium, K two, D three. I'm I'm big on fermented cod liver oil, butter oil combination from Green Pasture. I yep. mean, I think people sleep better on that. They get a little bit of fermented food in their diet as long as they're not um, bothered by histamines and those things. And, um, they also get the, the K2 from the butter oil in there. So, um, it's just a great food to add and, uh, magnesium's big. Um, some people like to use the natural calm. Some people like to use the, the glycinate, um, the chelated glycinate, which works well. I don't really have a strong preference either way there. Um, but I know most people need magnesium. Um, and the whey protein is, is actually, it's always a challenge. We try to get quality grass fed, 
and we usually it usually comes down to yours. I'm trying to think of the other, uh, the Warrior Way, or um, I think SFH also has a grass fed. I haven't tried um, SFHs. Okay, stronger, fat, fat uh, stronger, faster, healthier, or something. That, that might be the site. But I would say yours has the least. Uh, reactivity from people that are sensitive to lactose or dairy. Oh, th- uh, thanks for, for letting me know about that. And uh, yeah. for people listening, here's the deal with whey, mine or anyone else's. There's a huge variation in quality out there, but even mine, don't take too much whey. Like I, I see like bodybuilders in particular who are kind of like they hack their bodies, but they're not anti-aging and longevity or even inflammation focused as much as some other disciplines, uh, but they have great knowledge. But they'll do like, you know, eight scoops of whey a day and that much methionine and cysteine is going to cause inflammation. That's why I'm like, whatever way you get, take two tablespoons a day and then use other forms of protein that aren't going to cause as much inflammation because excessive protein is not going to help you. And I also use your uh, collagen. Oh, you do? Oh, um, thanks. Yeah. Wow. I, I totally didn't know if you'd ever tried any of my stuff when we got on the, on the line. So that's awesome. And thank you for letting me know. Now, uh, that's a great answer for supplementation. I, uh, I love that. All right. Shortest route to optimal. So if you had to just kind of offer a little bit of advice for people about it, they want to optimize everything, um, given, given the things, you know, what, what are the, like, what's the path for, for getting there, uh, working out more, eating more, like, like if you had someone had two weeks and they just need to get as optimal as they can get the average person, what are the, like, what four or five things would you say to do? Well, they have to they have to make sure they're moving properly. Okay, so start with movement. Okay. So movement. I mean, as far as the fitness mm-hmm. and the wellness aspect, moving well is okay. is super important. I mean, physiologically, lymphatic drainage, all that stuff, pain, function. I mean, it's just it's super super important. But that all has to sit on top of. I mean, if you're really talking about highest possible level that has to sit on top of good sleep managing your stress move sleep stress okay move sleep manage your stress have awesome nutrition Food. and but i usually define nutrition you know being like science evidence based low inflammation nutrient dense low toxin immune system boosting <laughs> executable affordable and sustainable there you go All right? you're pretty and that's, there <laughs> yeah i mean that's basically what you preach that's what rob wolf preaches yeah. i mean that's what most of the paleo people are, you're trying I, to find that people, but yeah. you know it's, it's almost become a cliche yeah. in, in our circles right and, and everybody's like oh you're going to say that again but yeah. all that stuff undoes any kind of physical progress that you you're trying to make if you don't literally you have a weak link in there you're in trouble and probably the the one that chris Cresser's brought to light especially in his latest book that I didn't really have an appreciation for is, is social connectivity. Like I knew we we're social creatures and that's important to us, but he's throwing out research in there that's basically suggesting that that's even, or at least as important to living long and healthy and avoiding sudden death as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. From you an know? anti-aging perspective, he's, he's totally right there. There's a lot of personality variants there as well. You know, if you do the, the different typings, if some people really need less and some people like they're going to die if they don't get more. It, it, it's almost like a genetic thing, right? The same thing with 
um, I've been doing a lot of work with my clients, the ones who don't resolve quickly uh, from inflammatory conditions on the Bulletproof Diet. It's always one of those genetic things where you, you run your 23andMe, you go through Genetic Genie, and it's just personalized. Oh, for you, folic acid is kind of like kryptonite, and for you, it's fine. So those individual variations are important to understand, but like you said, those four or five things that you're talking about, it's the recipe. And if you only do three of the four, you're hosed, right? right. So you, you got to get at least 80% of the way there on all five of them because if you drop yeah. one of the balls, all the other balls don't go in either. Um, I'm cool. Totally I, with you. I like your list. All right. <laughs> now, final question, one that you probably know is coming. Top three recommendations for people who want to kick more ass in all domains. So not just from your career, but just the, the wisdom you've learned in your life. Um, lay it down. Okay. So I'm I'm always been a science guy. I've always been anatomy, physiology, show me the evidence kind of thing. And I'm totally going to throw you off here and I'm going to go a little more spiritual, emotional, behavioral. Um, Yeah, so I'm a big believer in that we have to be better about living in the moment. Like we have to learn to enjoy the here and now, whether it's happiness, observation, learning, contemplation, adversity. Like pain is not the exception. You know, it's a critical part of the story. So we're so so preoccupied and, and busy that I don't think we're good at just taking in what's going on. Like we have to be present more um, and not distracted. So I, I'm, I'm pretty big on that and, I, and I'm not good at that. I tend to be all over the place. Um, I've been working on my focus and, and just to, to appreciate that a little bit better. We can have um, that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also believe that you need to make your relationships a priority. Like, you know, surround yourself with high energy, inspirational, positive people that are critical thinkers, they're mentors, you know, they don't bring you down, they compliment you, they make you better. Um, life's too short, you know, not to, to to find those high energy people and those people you can learn from and interact with. And, you know, what, what's the what's the saying? Winning, winning's not the thing, helping others win is the thing. Yeah. You know, so just really giving back and, and then I guess that leads into showing gratitude. And I thought I was kind of unique and you've had quite a few people say that on your podcast, I think. Um, and what I was, I was, it was really cool to hear is that JJ brought some science to bear with that, right? Yeah. That there's actually some science that says being grateful, showing gratitude is really good for you. So I think we just have to realize how blessed we are and, and appreciate it and give back and, you know, have a servant's heart, make time for people, contribute, leverage your energy and knowledge and put it towards something good. So that's what I try to do. And, and I, it's helped me a lot. And it's kind of the older, wiser thing, right? When you're young, you're full speed and you're just all about the science and you're all about just doing what you need to do at the end of the day. And then you just take a deep breath and you go to sleep and you do it all over again. And then I think as you get older, you have children, life becomes a little more interesting and, and you just kind of take all that stuff in and you appreciate it a little bit more. And you realize that it's, it's what you, what you you do with other people and your relationships and how you help other people that kind of makes you better. Very well said, BJ. Uh, and speaking of gratitude, thanks for, for that. And thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you. I, I, and I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank my buddy, Dave Jack for putting us in touch. David Jack, he's a good friend of mine. And, and, and I know that you guys have uh, spoken a couple times. Yeah, we put that. And, I, and I have to thank my wife, Laura, for this too, because truth be known, I wouldn't even know about you. 
if it weren't for her. That's probably not true because we travel enough cir- circles by now that I would have w- listened to your podcast or whatever. But true story, we were looking, trying to find a way to have coffee with uh, <laughs> some kind of cream because that's – I always drank it black before and yeah. she needed something. And I'm like, you've got to cut the sugar and the cream out. And she found your Bulletproof Coffee recipe. I read that. I read the backstory on it and I thought, this guy's pretty cool. I want to see what he's all about and the rest is history. So – I appreciate all you're doing for the industry and, and just making people more aware of performance and health. It makes people in the trenches like myself, it makes our job a lot easier when I can refer to a high quality podcast like yours. And, and it's nice that it's evidence-based. You provide references, you know, in, in a world today that's a lot of it's just anecdotal. So uh, thanks for what you do, Dave. Uh, you got it. For people listening, if you're grateful that you just heard this awesome interview with BJ, I would be grateful if you took a minute to go to bulletproofdietbook.com and drop your email address in there. You'll get a copy of the very latest Bulletproof Diet infographic. This one's completely redesigned. It's extremely professional. It looks better than before. You'll also get the first chapter of my book as soon as it's done being written. And the reason I'm asking you to do this today is because I'm showing publishers the interest levels in my book. And when you sign up for that, I can show that number to publishers who I'm speaking with now and say, look, this is a book with demand for it. So I really would appreciate it if you'd take a minute to do that and you will get something that's really valuable in return. BJ, thanks again for being on the show. Everyone else, see you again in a few days. Thanks, Dave. If you haven't had a chance... To learn about our new sleep induction mat, check it out on the website at UpgradedSelf.com. It's a brand new bulletproof product that allows you to reach a deeper sleep more quickly by triggering an endorphin surge. You basically unroll the mat, lay down on it, and it forces your body to relax. Your sympathetic nervous system, your fight or flight response, freaks out, and when you tell it to calm down and you just keep laying on the mat then your whole body just relaxes and you melt into it and it feels really good and it helps me get to sleep faster and very specifically to get more deep sleep. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.